take over the studio, you're out. We are going to make the first porno musical. Now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Orgasms a short spasm of love, sweet love. That was the worst orgasm I have ever seen. All right, all right, let's get on with it then, okay? Chris Honeywell is an internet loudmouth. And that's why American Graffiti was Ron Howard's greatest acting role ever. Hated and reviled by his few remaining friends, he catches the attention of Thomas DJ, perhaps the world's most cunning supervillain. Ensconced in his ultra-scientific hideout, with only his robot army and stunning assistant to keep him company, DJ springs into action. What is this idiocy? Virginia, use the molecular transmigration beam to bring this fool to me! Virginia trains the hellish mechanism, and with a clap like thunder, and in a blinding psychedelic light, Chris Honeywell stands before his tormentor. Normally, I do not suffer fools, but I see beyond the yawning chasm of ignorance that is your brain and the endless sluice of sewage which is your mouth that they form a basic animal intelligence that I may be able to mold to my own devices. Uh, okay. Therefore, in my mercy, I offer you two choices. Instant painless disintegration or you study grindhouse movies at my feet now! Choose! Uh, I choose not disintegration. So be it. In one month, I shall assign you a movie to watch and will summon you again. Be ready, or the consequences shall be swift and merciless. Right, but how do I get to the... Now go! And thus began one of the most dangerous and unpredictable endeavors in evil sciencing. The Honeywell Experiment! Virginia, summon the subject! always confused by the transition into wherever the hell I am this time. <laughs> Why am I naked? Put your pants on for goodness. Get him some clothes, Virginia. That never happened before. Oh, I had a guest over and he might have fiddled with the machine a bit. Let me just put this microphone right here 
All right. Um. <clears throat> yeah, the experiment's taking a turn. Well. Okay. Okay. Can we look now? Yeah. Okay. Hey, this is a nice right. smoking jacket. Don't don't mess it up. So, considering it's rather appropriate that you came in the way you did, considering that we are talking about a film that was suggested by my my peer in the podcasting supervillain realm, Patrick, over at Scream Queens. Wait, you're letting other yes other villains run tests on me too? Yes. It, it, it's it's a team building exercise. Okay. Um, I mean, I have to trust you. That's all. I mean, actually, I have no choice. Do I have? I, exa- I was about <laughs> to say that you have no choice. Um, but yes. So Patrick, it decided that he wanted you to to uh, to look at one of his one a film he's very fond of, a film that cost only. Tw- $200,000 and kind of looks it. Every penny's on the screen. Every penny is on the screen. Uh, the first nudie musical, which was uh, directed by Mark Haggard and Bruce Kimmel, who apparently, wrote, who Bruce Kimmel also wrote it, stars in it has the uh, naive director. And uh, I think he also had a hand in writing the, the songs for it. Yes, he did. I wonder if he's any relation to Jimmy Kimmel. I wonder that if he's I like Jimmy not. Kimmel's dad or something. I do not know. We can always check that. Uh, nah, I don't think so. It's just Hollywood, you know. You, you, you'll, I see, you see a last name in common, and I always yeah. think to myself, "Nah," and then you find out. He lo- he looks like um, John Larroquette. Mm-hmm. He looks like a, a young John Larroquette, mixed with a little bit of um, Jethro Bodine doing his Hollywood director William One Shot Bodine. Yeah. <laughs> type thing this was not the movie I thought it was going to be well I I thought it was going to be something like this I thought it was going to be something like this I thought I'd heard about this before yeah because I I I had this like kind of recollection of reading about it as one of the worst musicals in the Golden Turkey Awards. So I pulled down my <laughs> old Golden Turkey Awards paperback and it wasn't in there. And so, huh. I was expecting something more like a bunch of, like, the you know, the tech crew from a mm-hmm. porn movie and yeah. some of the talent got together and said, hey, look, look, let's do something R-rated and see if we can get something on our, you know... On our resume, that's that's a little more, you know, move up into the mainstream mm-hmm. a little bit. Well, there's a de- I will say there's a definite demarcation between the people who are nude and the people who are not nude. Yes. In yes. in this film, uh, it is I th- I'm pretty sure Alexa Morgan, who played uh, Mary Larue, uh, was a porn star. 
And I think she was also, I think she was a porn, she'd done porn movies, but she was also sort of an eccentric artist person to, I got the, I got the feeling that these were more people who mo- worked on more, on bigger movies, but mm-hmm. they were the, you know, they were down in the crew, sort more the crew area or coming up wannabe area and they saved up some of their money to put this together as something that's re- you know that's really cheap with basically basically almost you know the it's a whole meta thing because it's it, I don't think they were saving their studio but they were like yeah let's let's get our name and you know let's uh see if we can get Ron Howard to get in it for 30 yeah, seconds yeah for so 5 seconds Opie. yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly 5 seconds that was of Opie. A shock. but that's all you need to put his name on it and be you know, Opie. There's Opie in the yeah. first nudie musical. That automatically is going to pique people's interest. I mean, Shirley was in it too, but I think this was just before Laverne and Shirley. So, hmm. well, apparently Cindy Williams was uh, also at the time that she was making this film was also auditioning for a film called Star Wars. So, all right, but and it, it was. I think the only reason she did this was to break away from being Shirley. And well, yeah, and she was she was also in um, or no, I'm thinking, or no, she was in American Graffiti too. What am yes. I thinking? Yeah, and Mackenzie Williams was also in American Graffiti. Yes, I'm getting the two of them mixed up. And what we should I mean, also mention an, another uh, a carryover from last phase, last phase of the experiment. That the uh, the character of Benny, who was the uncle of John Smithy, the director, played by Bruce Kimmel, is played by High Pike, who played the mayor in Dolomite. Oh, I totally did not catch that. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, th- there was there was talent involved in this. Yeah, no, was, there especially are people... in the writing department more than anything else. Although there are some ta- people who are talented that I, I felt really sad for. <laughs> right. uh, I'm thinking specifically of Diana Canova, who, A, is a talented, was a talented comedian at the time. But that fucking goddamn accent. The, oh, the Carmen Miranda? Yeah. yeah. Carmen Miranda, yeah. Juanita. The Cuban comer. Yeah, that was sort of, I mean... You could tell they they were going for this like combo, and of of things and like if I wanted, although this is way lower product production value and money, but I would put this like in the same sort of area as like Flesh Gordon, mm-hmm. maybe as as a concept that would get people of something clean and something dirty put together in the anything goes 70s but with elements of the groove tube and Kentucky Fried movie except even more down to like you know we're filming this you know this whole movie except for a couple of outdoor shots outside the actual studio Mm -hmm. and you know a couple couple shots of walking around Hollywood um could all be done in one soundstage you know it was all just yeah. a soundstage with painted backgrounds and uh 
and it's about a film set so all the film equipment becomes props and everything exactly so it's so it's cheap as hell and and uh it also has a little bit of that that you know all night adventure let's put on mm-hmm. a show you know sort of thing maybe well, like this, this um, is in this kind of sweet this film is in this kind of sweet spot between the um the fad for um sketch comedy movies right. like Kentucky Fried Movie and The Groove Tube and Dynamite Chicken. Oh, go ahead. It has more of a going through narrative. Sort of like it came, this came in the 80s, but have you ever seen Get Crazy? Yeah. A little bit like something like Get Crazy, you know, where we're putting on a concert to save the, you know, the, the venue. And... Uh, and that was obviously higher budget, but just the same sort of thing. You know, here's our crazy cast of characters, mm-hmm. and here's what they have to go through to get it done. Well, and, it's like the the uh, the other side of that equation. I was gonna I was going to to, to evoke is um the the Zucker Zucker Abrams style parody film. Yeah, yeah. In that that this film has the has its foot in has a foot in each of those two camps. It's kind of a bridge almost between the two. What was that? There was there was another another thing. Uh, 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 it's got a lot of vaudeville to it too. Yeah. I mean the the way and maybe this comes down to who the whoever the cinematographer is. But I mean it's it's not filmed dynamically at all. It's filmed no, very it's... flat like a stage play. There, and when when the old when the old guys are around, all the money guys are around. They 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 do all these shots where they pull back, mm-hmm. and the, the it's it's and it didn't really come to me until like the third time I saw that shot. Is like why does this look so unnatural and old and stilted? It's like because you can see their feet to the, you can see their head and their feet are all in the frame with just a mm-hmm. little bit of floor at the bottom and a little bit of ceiling at the end and nobody frames anything like like that in the movie they would have in, in a m- movie past like the 20s or something you know when they started you know thinking of right. cinematography rather than just sort of like well, let's I film think a that stage was a play decision because i mean because the whole idea of this film seems to be almost a spoof of that style of musical from the 30s and 40s. The only thing that I thought that they missed out on with this movie that maybe he got cut out or maybe they decided not to do it, but they keep talking about the old man. We got to let, you know, once we get yeah. done doing porno movies, we can let the old man back on the set. How entertaining would it, did the old man's character potentially sound? You know, he's like, <laughs> or have have all the you know have the old man come on set and how do how do you three's company? It's like three's company in reverse. How do you get mm-hmm. him to think that all the you know incredibly dirty stuff is is legit? You know, oh you're in the changing room, dad, or whatever. You know, there's all there was all this possibility for comedic conflict with the dad and you never at the end at the end they do bring him up again and go like well we can bring dad back to the studio now and that's it but it it, yeah it was weird it was like either a missed opportunity or something they said ah we'll just have to cut that part out of the script because dad sucked or Mm -hmm. I don't think that they're ever planning on on showing the dad I think the idea was the dad was over in 
some old age home somewhere. Right, right. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but then you add old age home and they're old Hollywood. It just, he sounds fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds potentially like, you know, a better, you know, a better character than a lot of the, the old money guy, cigar chompers in it. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny because, of course, it's like in, in High Pike, you know, in Benny, you see John Polito in his nascent form, probably taking notes. You know, I just ah, mm, I just figured out who the director looks like to me. Okay, um, that sports guy, Bob Costas. Oh, okay, actually, he looks like a Bob little bit. Costas. Yeah, it was driving me nuts. And John Larroquette was the closest. That I get that weird thing where they'll look like a combination of celebrities to me, and it'll drive me nuts until. Sometimes I'll have one celebrity, but I don't know what the second one is that's genetically mixed with them. But mm-hmm. so this one's maybe a little Lara Cat with a lot of Bob Costas. So one thing I read about this movie was, and this is another mystifying thing to me. I guess this was a huge hit in the early days of Cinemax. I guess this was played like crazy on well. Cinemax. It was, I'm sure it wasn't, it was, you know how, back in the old, back in the old days. I mean, I should have, I should have found this if it was on Cinemax, I would think. I must have, it must have been in a window where I missed it somehow. Well, I imagine it was probably shown in those hours that soon became, um, that became known as Skinemax because of its nudity. There is a... It, there's a lot of nudity, but in a very kind of burlesque sort of way. Very kind of innocent. Innocent, just matter of fact. It's like, here's a naked girl. Yeah, here's there's, several there's of there's penises them. in it, too, which is really yeah. strange for something that's not pornographic. All flaccid penises. Yeah. And that's something that's just which showing is why up they in make, comedy they, movies again. Yeah, which is why, of course... They're very careful in shooting the stunt cock. No, nothing funnier than a flaccid penis, and and I think American comedy has been suffering for years of not approaching <laughs> that in the in the movies. They're going, hey, wait, yeah. The the Trailer Park Boys did a, a movie, but there wasn't a trailer. It was Swearnet, mm-hmm. and uh, that had a had a. A flaccid penis and balls visual gag that was one of the most shocking and you know just shocking it because mm-hmm. you didn't see it coming. And the, there was, a, I think it was for HBO. They did a fake documentary about bike racers mm-hmm. that had some good good penis comedy in it too. And uh, yeah, this the, it, it's just very it's very strange. It's like th- this movie, the, not the not the bike. Thing. This is not the, the bike messages, right? Right. The first nudie musical is is totally the you know a product of like a Puritan society. It's like being. Mm-hmm. It's like ooh, look at us being saucy, but it's not really. It's kind of um, it's it's kind of weird, and maybe it's because since the internet, you know, our crassness level and. And porn level has been maxed mm-hmm. out to eleven, you know that something like this is actually cute. It's got the the quaintness 
the sort of thing that, like, well, it's not the same as John Waters. Yeah. Because John Waters is, like, almost an intense love and respect for the people that he's filming. But this one is just sort of, uh, oh, aren't we being silly and dirty and, and uh, you know... I you know you you guys might might not be comfortable going to see Deep Throat, but you could go see this movie and we'll say yeah. orgasm in a song, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know we'll we'll say the names of sexual stunt cock, stunt over and cock, over again. and uh, the the song about the the closing song about cunnilingus. Yes, yes. Which, like I said, that's where it really becomes obvious that there were certain actors who were there to act and certain actors who were there to be naked. <laughs> that's how it usually is. Because it's because it's obvious, you know, it's it's yeah. obvious that that Cindy Williams wasn't going to. She wanted to be seen as a bit more adult, but she didn't want to do that. Who were your crossovers in those days? Was just Brando, right? Was the only yeah. one Brando would have done any, you know, whatever on film. But as as far as you know, we had, I mean, we got a little more of that going nowadays because I know some of the some of the porn actors were doing. This was like a decade ago, though. But they were doing those the French movies. Yeah. Like what was it, Bezemois? Yeah. Um, doing a decent job of acting. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's for the style because obviously this, this right. film is done in that very kind of burlesque style. Acting is, is broad, you know, nudie broad. <laughs> um, oh. I'm sorry. No, the the acting is 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 kind of broad. It's kind of a yeah. li- it's kind of big strokes. Um, and I, th- I think, like, like particularly Cindy Williams, really gets the fact that this is that this is a burlesque. This is a burlesque show because she almost has that kind of comic timing style. Yeah, of it's a burlesque comedian. Burlesque and a little bit of like, um, well, I guess it's the same thing. Like doing a skit on, you know, the the Tony Williams Christmas special, yeah. or whatever sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's it, it was basically. Uh, you know, I w- it, it seems to be. It seemed that everybody was having a good time. So it, 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 I, I got the picture of it's like, all right, let's make a little money. But we all know each other, and we're all doing this because we've worked together. We know we're we know each other, and let's have mm-hmm. fun with this. And it, and it seems to be, it seems to be that that's it, what happened, and. It didn't make for a great movie, but it made for a better movie than I thought. <laughs> mm-hmm. It had some decent, you know, I mean, it didn't have any laugh out loud moments for me, but there were moments where I was like, all right, that's pretty good. And then I'd be like, all right, they got a little timing going there. I like that, you know, and uh, and or that might have been a little ahead of its time or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but boy, it's 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 uh yeah, it's no let my puppets come. That's no, for sure. no, it's not. No, it's <laughs> but not. But what it's, is? <laughs> it's not other. You know, other. You know, it's not very for a movie supposedly about a porno. It's not very erotic. No. It's it's. I very, don't think like there's I an said, erotic moment in it. Unless, well, I mean, for somebody, 
there's got to be erotic moments galore in it for certain people, but for most people, it's just. Oh, sort I'm of... sure, like the perversion number, there were. Um, that, that there were probably some people in the audience who were getting off on that. I forgot about that. That's right. Yes. <laughs> even that. Even that seems. That's even seems milder than even like, what should we call it? Fifty Shades of Grey or something. And well, Di- oh, I mean, it's like, like I said, I've said this be- before. Diana Canova is genuinely funny, but that accent just puts me off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. every time. She is, she's a, a very funny actress. She was in other things that I've been appreciated. She's mostly a TV actress like uh, Cindy Williams, but uh, that that accent just every and, and her boyfriend who thinks he's who thinks he's Brando. That he had a couple. There were a couple funny lines with him, but yeah, they 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 just played it. It was played off very stiff, you know. Yeah. They got. They had the idea of what was going on there, and there was just the, the you know yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think if there, there's one problem with the film structurally, it's that there's uh, Kimmel doesn't decide which storyline is the a plot. This is a film entirely of B plots. You've got the the plot with uh, Harry and Rosie, and the plot with the ingenue that really doesn't go nowhere, and the plot you know the plot with Juanita and her boyfriend, and the plot and all these different plots are going. Right, and and they, they, I mean, even if one of them didn't have to be a master plot, it would have been nice if they all usually in movies like that. That you don't maybe don't actually need the master plot as much as you need all the plots to come together at some point yeah. in in whatever the you know main event of the story. Like um, there's a great it's a hard movie to find somewhere. I've got a dupe that I made off a of friend's VHS mm-hmm. a long time ago. That's probably in a format that won't play on any computer. But it's called uh, it's a complex world, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a, another one of those. It's it's about a, a famous rock club. It's last night before anarchists blow it up, and so you have mm-hmm. all these plots of you know the the guy who's the anarchist, but he's only in the anarchist group because he's in love with one of the women in the group, and. At the same time, he's a performer at the, you know, and there's there's a band at the club, and then there's people downstairs who are running the bar, and mm-hmm. and then there's a bunch of bikers outside who are getting angry, and then there's, you know, it's all this stuff, and then at the end, everything all starts happening at once in the same place, and uh, with this, it doesn't really do that. It's just everybody just sort of has their things going on, and then it's a success at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Will they pull? You know. I mean, there's just no tension. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely have probably used like like the the um the plot about the ingenue about the I just came from yeah she has that big number in the first stack. Yeah, which, they set the it way, up as like she's gonna either she's she's probably gonna end up having to do the big set. I thought, I mean, it's obvious. But wouldn't it be funny if she's the one who has to end up with the stunt cock? Yeah. You know? And, uh, but, you know, that's, that's what 
breaks the, you know, makes her mm -hmm. go like, well, you know, maybe, I don't know, I would might do the scene, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, I think that they, they, they build her up, and then she basically disappears from the movie. Mm -hmm. You see her in the, um, you see her in her musical number, not yeah. doing much. The uh, the lesbian the lesbian tango or whatever yeah, they call that. Yeah, just sort of doing like a like a B-rate Linda Blair impression. Mm-hmm. That's why they call me Mike And not Jane or Susan or Penelope I have a leaning towards a meaningful new tete a tete But if there's a man in the vicinity And if he infers he'd like to get in it, he No, it only won't The only thing he'll get is a lesbian butch You can call it what you like But it's what I am It's what I am and what I'll always Although, by the way, you know, interestingly enough, if that singing voice sounded familiar, her vo her singing voice was dubbed by Annette Toole. Oh. <laughs> I would not have recognized Annette so, Toole's voice. Depending upon but... what generation you are, Lana Lang or Clark Kent's mom <laughs> is in the first nudie musical. And Laverne and Richie Cunningham. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, boy, oh boy. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to say about this film. Like, just hearing about it, it's a curiosity peeker. And luckily for mm -hmm. people, it is on YouTube, so you can just go on YouTube and watch it. Right, hell, it's on, uh, they, they put out a 24th anniversary DVD. <laughs> um, which contains apparently a load of extras. Yeah, it's it's easily accessible via YouTube. Unlike some of the other films we're going to get into in the future. So far, we've been hitting. We're so far. I think, at least, what are we? We're on phase four already. This is this phase is phase four. four yes. All of them have been on YouTube so far. Mm-hmm. So we've been lucking out. Well, up until this point, I've been switching between YouTube and Canopy, which is the, um, for those of you who don't know, are, is the public library systems streaming service, which if your public library uh, participates in, you can sign up for and you can watch six movies from this amazingly wide catalog a month. So I that's where we found... I have like four friends who are librarians mm -hmm. that I got to talk to about that and see if they have some sort of, uh, they might have some sort of librarian hookup, you know what I'm saying? That I might, uh, <laughs> might for for Canopy get... After Dark? Well, yeah, well, no, <laughs> but you know, I mean, you know, sometimes Canopy, I don't, isn't it like four movies a month or six movies a month it's or something? Six like... movies a month. I six mean, I'd actually be lucky if I would be able to watch six movies a month on it too, but you know, oh, you never know. They might have some like weird Vatican like vault at the, I never put it past the library. I, <laughs> I loved, I love the library. I mean, somebody just posted on one of the Two True Freaks Facebook pages. It just turned up on, uh, YouTube. It's a 55-minute documentary on the making of Empire Strikes Back. 
and there's a lot of it's a lot of footage of the director and it's a lot of footage of them in I believe Norway filming and uh it's really neat and it, and and you it's it's been like legendary I guess and I'd never really thought about it because I used to sign it. You used to be able to just go to the library. So the New York State Library system was especially beefed up, mm-hmm. and just sign out sixteen millimeter movies and a projector. And uh, we would we we had a projector. We had a uh, discard projector that we got from the film school that we went to, and we would set up in our backyard and go to the go to the library. And you'd have to sign it up, and they'd have to put an order out for it. But then it would come in and. I remember one day we watched, um, I think it was the closing of the Fillmore East, mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back, in that documentary on on the filming in Norway, and had a little had a little triple feature in the, in our backyard, and we're just watching watching a movie like Empire Strikes Back, you know, on sixteen millimeters, quite an experience anyway. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun, but yeah, I love I love the library. You could just, and there there would be people like marveling at this, and I'm like, yeah, and this is the nerdiest thing you've ever heard because we signed this out at the library, <laughs> Mister Cool Guy. <laughs> this is so cool, dude. That's right, sir. The library, <laughs> the coolest That's where place on at. earth, which it is. <laughs> so I mean, this is an exact. The thing is that I, I really don't think that because this was produced by Paramount of all people. It shocked me when the Paramount Mountain came up, and I'm like, "What the hell?" Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. And I was, I was just like, "Wait a minute, this is supposed to be like, you know, you know, uh, you know, Maury Clawhammer presents, you know, <laughs> Dental Associates Assistance Production Conglomerate." you know presents but no i i get i get the feeling that this was all like people who were you know, they weren't big time connected but they were connected enough mm-hmm. that, that somebody was like yeah okay i could see the nudie musical making money how much money did deep throw make okay well this is a little safer and stuff and i and i read a review of it in playboy playboy loved it mm-hmm. playboy was like this is the this is this is the antidote to, you know, rough and tumble porn films where you can go, you know, you and your wife or your girlfriend can go and have a have a nice laugh without, you know, it having to be a, de- a degrading or, you know, too intense of a experience. It's just good old-fashioned American fun. Mhm. Very very playboy. The the whole the whole thing was very playboy. It had an air of um of um not acceptability, but um, it had it had an air of the mainstream on it, but just a little saucier than the mainstream. The mainstream with some pubic hair. Yeah. So I mean, it, it kind of feels like you know, because like when Deep Throat got really successful, they recut it as an R for an R rating. The same thing with Flesh Gordon. So they could show it to get get more of more buck bang mm-hmm. out of the buck, just like we're getting a uh, a PG rated version of Deadpool two later in the months to come. So they can so they can sell it to more people on DVD. I guess so. 
but um but it has that kind of feel of there are some naughty bits that we're not seeing it's very possible it could have been it could uh-huh. have been a naughtier movie they could have filmed i i mean if i was doing it i would have filmed a naughtier movie mm-hmm. and had you know at least some stuff that i knew would you know never make it i mean if i was smart enough at that point but you know yeah. I, would, I would put a lot of naughty stuff in there so that they had stuff to cut out and still keeps you know something something to make some of the other stuff look milder so that won't get cut out and if they and if it gets through it gets through you know sometimes that happens with those movies so it's weird sometimes they'll want to cut out something you know totally innocuous and and Mm -hmm. something that you thought would immediately set off all the Well, what is the name of it? There's a documentary about the Motion Picture Association of America. Yeah. About the rating system. I think this film is not yet rated. Yes, that movie is amazing. And there's like, I think it's like one of the, uh, one of the South Park guys talks about how they intentionally put certain scenes in uh, Team America because they knew they were going to get cut out so they can get away with the stuff they really wanted in the movie. Yeah, and it's a, and it's amazing how you, you can do that, you know? <laughs> that the, the psychology of it is so... It's, it's um... Well, in like, in, in the food service industry, say, mm-hmm. um, I bet I've worked in a lot of restaurants of varying health department standards. Right. Um... In the beginning, I worked at some pretty low health <laughs> department <Yeah>. standard places, <laughs> and I've moved up in the years just because mm-hmm. it's better to work at places like that. But I've noticed one thing about the Department of Health is when they come in, they're never, ever, ever, once in a thousand times ever going to be like, oh, you're all perfect. You're all good. Yeah. Uh, everything checks out perfectly because they have a job to do. So they have to look like they're doing their job. And just like the, the people who have ratings on films, they can't, they can't pass over that movie without putting their little, you know, getting mm-hmm. to put their mark on it and have their say in it. So they're going to find something, you know, and if you're, yeah, if you're psychologically keen enough, you could you could trick them, or or you end up getting something so horribly obscene onto the screen that you can't believe yes. it, and that's rewarding in its own way too. I'm sure that's happened a few. There was I, there was you know Frank Zappa has gotten in trouble for you know huge number of his songs, but like one of the ones that they went after him the most was it, it was a line about. Um, and I, I still remember Mama with her apron and her pad feeding all the boys at at cafe because they were talking about this kid's mom who was a waitress. So right. she was a waitress, and she had her waitress pad, and she would mm-hmm. work at, at the truck stop. Well, they mm-hmm. thought, well, when they, when they got a hold of the album, they thought pad meant, like, sanitary pads. Oh, ugh. And they were, like, you know, on him to change his I lyrics. I think that says more about the guy listening to like, the song than the guy who wrote the song. I think that's exactly what Frank Zappa <laughs> basically <sighs> said to them when, 
when it got I think it got into the point of where it was in court and stuff like that but it yeah and it's strange but you know it it was meanwhile there were all sorts of other sketchy things in that song and they were focused on the the mother holding her pad mm-hmm. and it being something I mean and then when you start thinking about whatever they're picturing then you just start that's when you really it, start it just going, gets disturbing yes well <laughs> This movie could have used more of that. <laughs> there was no disturbing in this movie at all. There was some, I mean, even for the, for what this was, this was Bicentennial movie, 76. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, 1976, there's a lot of potential for stuff that has become completely, you know, politically verboten, you know incorrect now to be in in this movie and it's not that bad it's not very sexist it's not very racist except for that horrible accent oh god yes and you know i mean and that was sort of a thing around those that time in the 70s was like lots of swearing lots of Mm -hmm. racial and sexual humor you know mel brooks you know right of course so and and it had that same sort of feel of Mel Brooks of like two you know oh we're, we're you know two guys in the Catskill writing gags you know mm-hmm. come on oh we got our studio and all that you know like a like a Mel Brooks sort of pro- yeah. backstage production you would think but and since they're going full nudie why not go Rudy <laughs> I'm gonna make that into a pin oh there you go there you go. <laughs> That's my T-shirt. So apparently I've been warned by Patrick that uh, Bruce Kimmel, who is still alive, God bless him, will be listening to this. Oh. He apparently loves it when people talk about his talk about his movie. I would this was too. Like, um, he, didn't, he didn't direct a lot of movies. He wrote a couple of them. In fact, one of the movies that he that he wrote, which is a big which is a big surprise, co-wrote. I guess because it's usually thought of as a Kevin Williamson script, but he had a hand in doing, uh, I guess, rewrites for the faculty. Well, geez, the, uh, I, did, Robert... I did a lot of speculative shit talking about him, you know, of like what he was thinking and stuff. If he, if he ever wanted to let you uh, transport him to the secret layer, I'd love to get some. <laughs> I'd love to get like direct information. Well, you know, I, from... I, I, there you go. There you of go. How Bruce this production Kimmel. is made. He's now a record, uh, uh, music, a music producer. So. Oh, maybe I'll send him some CDs in my band. There we go. <laughs> so, so you were, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about you deciding to, to take over the experiment like this. We're this kind of like world beat music, um, like, well, we got influences from everywhere, but we're kind of our own thing, mm-hmm. you know? And it's kind of poppy, but we do our own thing. We don't sound like anybody else, but we almost are exactly like the Beatles. But do you have a song called Dig Cock Dig? Um, I could by the time we had him <laughs> on the show. Dig Cock Dig! <laughs> Deep cuts on true, two true freaks. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to talk big cock and deep cuts at the same time. <laughs> yes. No, that that that's that's a movie we'll be getting to in a later phase. Oh, that actually ha- was suggested by another one of my peers. Of course, it was. 
<laughs> that one is, is, although not as rough as a Serbian movie, I'm not going to, to lie, but there is, there is one scene in particular that is really hard. And when I tell, uh, really hard to watch, and when I tell you how it was done, it'll make it even harder That's to watch. even worse. Oh, boy. It's even, yeah. It's <laughs> even worse. It, it looks bad, and it is bad. Oh, nobody wants to know how the sausage is severed. Yeah, so to speak. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Like I said, I... Eh, it's... It's of a type. This film, it's it's okay. It's of a type. It's very innocent. It's got a very, um, it's like I said, has it's this good kind natured. Of it's good natured. It's not. It's there isn't really a bad guy in it. No. Well, I mean, the, the the baddest guy is, of course, is are the 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 cigar chompers. Yeah, but even at the end, there's ever, even even during. There's still no like animosity between. Yeah. It's just that's just part of doing the. That's just part of doing business in Hollywood. That's just the biz, man. Yeah. Says the guy who's <laughs> makes ribs. <laughs> makes ribs. That's the biz making ribs. Wait, which I think was actually a teen sex comedy. Ooh. I don't know, but um, we'll get to one of those. Writing that down. <laughs> oh my god, the teen sex comedies. What to choose from. Well, I will say that that uh, to pull back the curtain a little bit in planning. Um I wanted to cushion this one film that we were just referring to. Mhm. Uh with two um two lighter films and one of them is going to be a teen sex comedy starring a very young Dennis Quaid. Oh, I have no idea. Well, you're about to find out. <laughs> Not right away, but soon. Um, so would you recommend this? I would recommend it to some people. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, even there, I mean, obviously there's some people that just grindhouse or genre movies anyway. You're not going to always recommend them to. But actually, there's some of the people, some of those people, there's still some people like if there was a nice little 70 year old couple that were like, yeah, what kind of movie would I want to watch with a little bit of saucy to it? You know, <laughs> I, would, I could I could I could recommend this one. But, I, you know, if you're it, it, as what it is as the first nudie musical and. Mm. I don't I find it I find movies like this enjoyable but mm-hmm. it's only I think a certain percentage of people who because there's just so many movies but when I watch a movie like this there's obviously a story behind it. Yeah. And it's it doesn't look like a, it's a movie so there has to be trouble in the story of it but it doesn't look like a like a trouble it's not like um uh, you know, Demon Lover, you know, the movie Demon yeah. Lover Diary out of Demon Lover where, you know, everybody's subverting everybody else on the film and and stuff like that. It's but you can tell there's that, you know, when you see it and you go like, oh, well, how did Ron Howard end up in there? You know, and mm-hmm. and uh, that, that you see the outside of the studio and you look at it and go like that looks like an old like 
Agway store or something, you know, where they sold grain. It looks like a muffler shop. Yeah, yeah. But then I thought to myself, you know what, though? It probably really is a movie studio. And then when I looked it up, it is a real movie studio. So it's it was an actual movie studio that didn't look like a movie studio. So, that, you know, and I'm... It, were they using it just because they had it? Or did they want it to look a little, you know, like... I mean, there's a there's a lot of camp to it. There was there was thought put into it, and there was right. genuine humor, and there was de- genuine effort put into it to try to make it good. And I'm not, and I can't say that they didn't succeed. Mm-hmm. It just I'm just surprised that it didn't go further than it did. Especially in 1976, they would have had enough leeway. To do that, you know, there were still drive-ins that you could. Yeah, there was <laughs> play exactly. These there was still, in. and and you look at like, for example, what Kentucky Fried Movie does. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, where, yeah. Where the uh, it, it, Kentucky the Fried Movie's Kentucky... porno parody has tits up against a yeah a shower go real real yeah real. But I don't think <laughs> sex comedy stuff you can fat to. <laughs> I don't think that's what Kimmel wanted to do. No, no, I don't think, I think he did. Kimmel had has I it's obvious from this movie that Kimmel has a great deal of affection for that 30s and 40s style kind of innocent Mickey Rooney Judy Garland let's put on a show musical. Yeah, and and the you know, and the relationship between I mean, you've got you, and really the funny thing is is all all the sleaziest stuff in the world of this movie all takes place before the movie when it's a porno <laughs> studio. You know? Yeah. And so, I love some of those posters in the back, in the back of his office. Yeah. Stewardesses in chains. No, stewardesses in cages. Uh, yeah. So they have good opportunities to have the, have the, you know, the, the funny porno pictures in the back, but you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just, but that's another thing is I think, I, I uh, have a friend who's a bouncer, and he worked in the porn industry for a long time as a boom operator. Mm-hmm. And um, you know his story, his stories of it is, uh, you know, he's like, oh, porn shoots. It's like a, you know, I mean, it's there's people having sex, but it's a, it's a job, and mm-hmm. it's kind of on the fringes, and you end up with a really, with a real family, like kind of family atmosphere, you know, a supportive. For the most part, unless it's like completely drug fueled, <laughs> right? Degrading atmosphere, but a lot of times, it's it's a job, and so you have the like this guy and his his girl Friday, and they have a very sweet, you know, romance, very typical of where, you know, mm-hmm. she she's totally aware of it and acknowledges it, and she's just waiting. For him to finally admit it at the end or something. It was very, very 70s movie. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, very 70s and back sort of (laughs) storyline. And, uh, you know, there's there's no real conflict. But you also get the feeling she's not pining for him. No, no. She's a a very strong, independent woman either, too. Yeah. She's got a very screwball comedy sort of sensibility to her. The kind of thing that you would see, uh, uh, what's her name? Carol, not Carol Lawrence. Um, 
you would see like Thelma Todd playing in, in a Marx Brothers movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, the the there for for the most part, this movie had a lot of respect for for its characters, however broadly mm-hmm. drawn they were. There wasn't really anybody being being skewered other than like gently skewered. Nobody was being right. like we're taking this guy down, Lightly. you know, in this movie. So it's it's a straight it's a strange little brew. I I I recommend it to people who if if you hear this thing, if you if it makes you curious hearing what we said, then you should check it out. It's worth checking out for an hour and a half on YouTube yeah. or as far as you go till you decide you don't like it or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's on YouTube. And it's got well, see, that's naked... one of the great things about grindhouse movies is that most of them are relatively short, so you yeah. don't have to you don't have to if you, you're watching something bad, you don't have to suffer through it badly, you know. And and now YouTube these days, well, for years now, you know, you you go watch one of these movies and you'll watch twenty minutes of it and be like, oh, gotta go, you know, and and mm-hmm. you look down the next day on your YouTube lineup and it's like, hey, do you want to keep watching this and. I'll yeah, go, yeah, and I'll watch another twenty so. movie, minutes of it, and before I know it, I've watched a whole movie. You know that way over the course of a, a week <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. So it, it it works out like it's it's entertaining. I don't think it was going to appeal to anybody under thirty or yeah. Even well, I mean, it, it is definitely paced more like a 70s yes. like 70s film much more deliberate and it's a little slow for a 70s film too it's mm-hmm. a little slower than the average 70s film too so it doesn't have the gags coming like airplane you know right the same just machine gunning hosing down of jokes mm-hmm. so i'm gonna send you to italy again no, I'm oh, going no, to say I haven't you, been to Italy yet. You haven't have been I? to Italy yet. Yes. You're going to be to Italy. You're going to be in Italy for the next two phases. Ooh. I like the food in Italy. Yeah, well, <laughs> hopefully you like J&B too because there's a lot of that. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> for the next phase, I'm going to give you a little taste of Eurocrime with one of the most famous uh, Euro crime films of all time, part of the Milan trilogy. Ooh, the home I've... of Demanza Corp. Yep, maybe Mr. Demanzo had a hand in this. He I don't probably know. did. Um, but it's part. It was directed by Fernando De Lilli, De Leo. Sorry, Fernando De Lilli. <clears throat> um, it's about. A poor guy caught, caught into, forced into being a fall guy for his boss, played by Aldolfo Celli, who we saw in uh, Diabolic. So, yes, we have been in Italy before. I stand corrected. Wow. But you, you know, phase me, one. You did, phase... You did, you, you, that was pretty good, though. You convinced me I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a genius. <laughs> so, um... So we're going to be watching The Italian Connection, 1972, starring uh, Mario Ordorf, who we will discuss at some length, and the greatness that is Henry Silva and Woody Strode. Oh, Henry Silva's got the head of a praying mantis. Love it. And 
as I've s stated elsewhere, Woody Schroeder has the best resting I will fuck you up face in the history of cinema. I cannot wait. So, now, can, can we give him something that's not my smoking jacket? Because I don't want to send him back naked. What happened to my clothes anyway? Because I kind of like that t-shirt I had. I, I don't know. Science is a marathon, not a sprint. Well... Now go! Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. We can make a fucking good bitch of a bastard movie if we all pull together and work as a whore-loving cunt penis team. <laughs>